0: Welcome to Defiance. Today I'm talking with Jake Hanrahan about the rise of independent journalism. Jake is ex vice and the host of the excellent Popular Front podcast. But before we get into the interview, I need to welcome and thank my sponsor, Kraken, and their CEO, Jesse Powell, who are helping make this happen. Kraken also sponsored What Bitcoin Did, my other show, which is dedicated to Bitcoin itself, an act of financial defiance. Bitcoin was introduced to the world in 2009 by its pseudonymous inventor, Satoshi Nakamoto, as a response to the 2008 financial crisis. Bitcoin is a decentralized peer-to-peer digital currency without any central authority. By not having a controlling party required to validate transactions, Bitcoin is both trustless and permissionless. And as Edward Snowden said, Bitcoin is freedom. And Kraken is the best place to buy Bitcoin. Consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange, Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at kraken.com, which is K-R-A-K-E-N.com.
1: The reason why we fight is to draw attention to issues and to fix it. Resilient. Resolute. Defiant in the face of impossible odds.
0: We are in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money.
1: Hundreds of protesters turned out singing glory to Hong Kong, an anthem of defiance. Jake,
0: man, good to see you again.
1: Good to see you, mate. Good to see you always.
0: Yeah, so we recorded before but we're going to do this again. I think a lot's happened for both of us, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, what was it like a year ago maybe? Was it how long ago? Yeah, I think I think like probably the front was like 6 months old or something. Wow. Yeah, yeah nearly a year.
0: That's how long it's taken me to get this new podcast up. That I've been yeah. talking about for ages. <laughs> yeah. I th- I sometimes I don't think you maybe you don't know yourself or other people don't know how much work goes into this stuff.
1: Yeah, it's fucking non-stop in it. It's like literally non-stop,
0: yeah. Especially when you're doing it all on your own. And yeah. Yeah. No support, man. Well, listen, look, we're going to cover some of the old stuff again and then we're going to talk about some new things, cool. but i think uh, like i've obviously been following your work for a while now big fan of popular front i think it's really cool what you're doing the podcast is awesome i recommend it to people and also the video work you've been doing is great but also i've recently taken i, I was never into the early vice stuff it was only over the last couple of years i've really gotten to some of their stuff but used to work there so i think for anyone listening to this jake it'd be good for people to hear your background you know your journalistic career and uh, how you got to where you are now
1: yeah, yeah, so um, I'm a now currently an independent journalist, I've got my own platform popular from, but I started off mainly I'd say when I first started getting known for my work was when I started with Vice News when oh, I was like twenty-four. So 2014. I was a print journalist before that, just you know, no just trying my best. And then I when Vice News started and it got good, like I was like, right, I want a bit of that, and then ended up working there and was one of the kind of original kind of team in the UK. And then, I don't know, what, three years, I think I did there, four years, and then it just got to the point where it was like, yeah, three years, and then when HBO kind of bought it out and changed it and kind of turned it from this, you know, what was, I think, groundbreaking kind of war journalism and conflict, turned it into like this kind of, it's just like a bit of political propaganda was starting to seep in, and I was like, nah, it's like, it's not for me, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I left, and then I did you know, freelance for two years or so, or a year or so, and then I was like, you know what, I'm getting I hate the phrase mainstream media, like there's a lot of like weirdos use it, but I was getting sick of what I just kept seeing as these hurdles in mainstream. I was like, you know what? I'm either gonna quit or just try this one last idea. So the one last idea was Popular Front, which was, you know, a podcast focused on kind of the niche, niche details of modern warfare, we say, and, and like underreported conflict. And yeah, it just really took off, man. Because, you know, obviously I had a background, I should say, when I was at Vice News, I was covering war and conflict. So it was great, you know, a great start to the career, being so young, getting to go to all these places and, you know, learn about the world and report on it. So yeah, man, that's where I am now.
0: I think the uh, independent journalism thing's a really good angle. I think a lot of people are buying into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) I think it's starting to find its feet again as well, because for a while, like, independent journalism was when it when the internet was early it was good it was like cool blogs and stuff you would never find out then mainstream mm-hmm. worked out to use the internet mainstream media got big and it was good for a long time and i still think there's a lot of good mainstream outlets but now like there was a, a you know a time where independents were like kooks, you know like weirdos or like fascist outlets now i think it's getting to a point it's finding its feet again because a lot of people are getting sick of what's what they're seeing every day and it's, it's not just kooky people normal people now like everybody is just going like hang on I'm sick of this I'm sick of being told what to think I'm sick of having a fucking political spin on everything so yeah I think independent journalism is a very good place right now
0: I think in uh, you know whether it's journalism or not I think Joe Rogan's helped people a lot I think people have realised that somebody can create an independent platform but get get a, a an audience as big as mainstream or even bigger than mainstream TV. Go. And I heard this really saw this really interesting tweet where somebody said Joe Rogan should run the presidential debates, which I actually thought had a lot of merit to it in some ways. Because, you know, look, and he's not perfect, you know, some people have criticisms of him. I like him. I like the guests he gets on. But yeah, what he's done is he's he's kind of taken independent journalism mainstream.
1: Yeah, and he's he I mean I think he'd be the first to say he's not a journalist, but he definitely has very good like the essence of it you know questioning people and there's a lot of people that will be like oh he had this person on that i don't like so therefore i don't like joe rogan it's like bore off like he has a lot of good people on a lot of idiots on but he just at least has them on and he talks to them i'm not into that no platforming thing you know i think if something's ugly then you should see how ugly it is you know it shouldn't be no platform unless it's like some nazi that's like using it to incite violence but that's different but um yeah, I, I've been listening to Joe Rogan since I was like, pff, like 23. And I remember I loved him, man. I was like, this is great. I do prefer the old, like, stoner alien stuff. <laughs> like, I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of some of the political stuff he does. But I will say, I think he has hands down the best interview with Bernie Sanders that anyone else has done, you know. And I think I think he's good. Yeah, I think he's good.
0: I, I also absolutely love the interview he did with Jack Dorsey, the second one that had Tim Paul. And I, I know that thing, he'll say, oh, he's not a journalist. And I've, I always say I'm not. But people always say, oh, no, you are people point the finger and i i think whether he is or not he's doing work which is of journalistic integrity definitely, at times definitely. he's getting he's getting relevant people on at the right times he's commenting on you know current topics you know he's covered antifa a lot you know i wasn't aware of antifa until mm. i'd heard about it from him so for me kind of you know whether it's entertainment or journalism is by the by but i i do think he's it's funny, say it like this, but he's taken independent journalism mainstream. Like he's made it, made anyone realise you can grab a mic, you can record a conversation, or you can take out a video camera. You can do something, and I think there's a lot more growth now. And I think you realise with that that you know you can trust this person to have independent, free thought.
1: Yeah, definitely. There is there is a problem though where it gets to the point. For example, he had someone called Abby Martin on. And she's like, you know, like she's, she'll quite happily defend dictators because it fits her thing, you know. So she's defending the dictatorship of Venezuela and she's like quite pro-Assad and, you know, and that stuff. And it's like, it's good to have them people on, but I think you need to challenge them. So I think, you know, he obviously doesn't have enough time, but like the research is important. And I think, I think you're right. And it shows that like anyone, anyway, if you do a lot of research, get these people on and are willing to challenge them that's definitely healthier than like, no, don't talk to that person. Yeah. Not allow like, fuck it. It's so boring that.
0: Well, I mean, I've had that in my other podcast, like what Bitcoin did one. I've had plenty of people over and over again saying, why are you interviewing that person? Or my favorite term is why are you giving a platform to that person? Mm. Like whenever it's somebody they don't like, I'm given a platform when it's somebody they're like, it's an interview, And I hate that term given a platform. You should be able to talk to anyone, but I'm also, you know, with the launch of this new show, considering some of the reactions to some of the guests I've had. So you know, Molly McHugh's going to be interview three. And, you know, for me as somebody who's new to this, I'm not a trained journalist, Jake. Mm. You know that I fell into this. I was offered the interview. I did some research. She sounded interesting. And then after I found more information out that's made me think, oh, maybe I should question this. And trying to to know how to handle, firstly, the guest, but all the information that can exist about a guest, it becomes quite hard.
1: It do, it does get hard. And there is, you have to look at like ideological camps, but like I, there are some things that it's like, the facts are there. You know, I do. Uh, there is a thing where some people will be like, well, who knows what's right? And it's like, no, there is, a, there, there is some things that are right <laughs> because there yeah. is evidence and there is proof. You know, for example, a lot of proof that Assad chemically gassed people and children and has been slaughtering people and then people say, well, maybe that's just some neoliberal American invention. No, it's there. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, go and yeah. do your research, you can find it. So there is definitely lines of like, some things are true, some things aren't. But then there is also the other thing of like what you're saying is where ideological lines come into play, where people say, well, you know, there will be some people that I'll like. Uh, I find it on the right a lot. Like I, I'm, I'm not particularly for the, any state, but if I was an American, you know, I think I've listened to Bernie Sanders. I think, oh, he's cool. I like, I like what he's saying. And then there'll be some like right wing guys will be like, well, what about this that he says? Well, sorry, it's not exactly as you want everything to be. But the world isn't like that, you know. The well, world isn't like that.
0: You know, uh, yeah. I
1: mean, Bernie. It's on both sides, you know. It's like. Oh, well, I don't like that, so therefore you're not allowed to like him. The left do it, the right do it. It's like, well, actually, the world is not like that. it's it's different, you know,
0: yeah, and this left right thing is starting to become a problem, That's fucking
1: boring, yeah, yeah,
0: look, it's it's crushing me because I've spent you know, I spent a lot of time in the states now. Mm. I've been there like fifty sixty times. I really enjoy going over there. I love meeting people. like if you just drive around to like a small town or you meet people, everyone's kind of cool. Everyone, cool yeah. you know everyone's kind of interesting. The problems start to come from the media and the political commentators. So what was really interesting for me recently was watching The, the Loudest Voice, the, I can't remember, was it Netflix? No, I don't think it was Netflix, but it was a series about Roger Arles and Fox News. And I wasn't really aware of the Fox News bias because I never watched it. You know, I knew it was a conservative channel, but I started to realise how sinister... Oh, yeah. It was, and yeah. I didn't I didn't know that. And then, so what I've been doing recently, which is quite interesting, whenever there's a political story, I'll read it on Fox News, and then I'll read it on MSNBC, and you're seeing two versions of the same story, always with the same bias. And it's just, I'm totally now starting to reject all forms of political bias because mm. there's things I like from conservatives. There's things I like from liberals. And actually, I want to speak to both sides because I think there's interesting points.
1: Yeah, definitely. They, I think that's a good idea as well because... There is this one argument where people say, well, you're sitting on the fence. I get it with Popular Front. Why won't you say you're political this? You're obviously an anarchist. You're obviously this. It's like, firstly, why the fuck do you care? Yeah. I do a, I do a podcast and, and a documentary series about like modern war and, and stuff like this. Why do you care what these this Western ideas are? That's another thing. I think Westerners are very quick to only see the world through their lens. For example, I've just got back from Hong Kong covering the protests Now, you know, a lot of leftists that I speak to, I'm friends with, will say, well, they were flying the American flag. They're obviously not, you know, not good guys. I said, do you think they give a fuck what you think in your very safe little home in the West with your political ideology? They don't care. They're fighting for the freedom. And when you talk to them, why you got the American flag? They say, well, look, we see them as democratic, or at least we see that they can help us. So we're waving the flag because we hope they help. Of course they fucking would. Mm. If America attacks them tomorrow, they'll burn the flag the same (laughs) way, you know? Like Westerners are very quick to oh, well, I'm not very happy that this protest isn't going exactly as I want it to. Well, they don't care, nor should they, because they're not living with you and they're, they're fighting for something, you know. And it's not just for Hong Kong, it's all over the world, you know.
0: Well, I think, you know, people asking you, you know, are you this, are you that? The starting point is always what divides us. Yeah, they want to find yeah, out exactly. what divides us and they can have an argument about it. But, you know, I'm much more interested in finding well, what do we line?
1: Yeah. You yeah. know,
0: what are we? what are our similar goals? Like, you know... We might have something with regards to, like, you know, healthcare. Do we believe that it should be uh, coerced, or do we believe that it should be, like, a, a human right? Okay, we agree on this. Well, what don't we agree on? How can we work together? Because all this divisiveness, which really is a weaponized tool for media companies to make money, I think it's causing yeah. a lot of problems. rage for clicks. Rage for clicks, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Rage clicks, yeah. And it's it's causing... I mean, I watch it in the US and I, when I'm on the ground there and I'm, I'm meeting with people, I don't see the problems. What I see is problems perpetuated by the media and it seems a lot bigger than it actually mm. is.
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think the problems are there in every country as they are, but I think you're right in... What I would say is maybe that like, people need to realise outside of Twitter where a lot of this goes down, like most people don't care. You know, the, the yeah. Joker film, non-outrage is a perfect example. Everyone's like, oh, what's going to happen with the Joker film? Incels are going to shoot up. There's rumours. No, the rumours were started and perpetuated by people on Twitter and then raised bigger by like media platforms that realise they can get clicks for it. And outside of it, you know, I was at the boxing gym the other day. I was like, oh lad, just seen the new Joker film. My mate's like, yeah, it looks cool. It's like, oh, have you heard about this? And they're like, nah. <laughs> like, they, they just don't care. Because... They want
0: a shooting though. The media, want... it's like well, it feels yeah, like it. Mean, it. Do you know what I mean? It feels like that yeah.
1: sometimes. It does, I mean, it does, I don't know, man. The more I, I get into this, the more longer I've been doing this work, I started, I don't want to sound like one of these like outsiders and that, but I do start seeing things differently. And I do sometimes think like, what are you on about? And I, I don't think that it's anything deeply insidious. I think a lot of the journalists are so far removed from normal people. You know, the normal people that make up most of you know your everyday guy, the guys that are driving the bus, the guys that are making things run on time. So many journalists are from elitist backgrounds or at least have put themselves into an elitist world that they haven't got a fucking clue what they're talking about. Well, look, you and
0: I talk to people every day. We talk to people about you know, the shows we make, people email us yeah. or DM us
1: and look where we are we're not in fucking some nice high-rise in london are we we're just like hanging out in the country (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're in bedford
0: yeah chilling in my kitchen but but the thing is because we've got no paymaster essentially i mean we might have sponsors but we can kind of do what the fuck we want right we can make what we want and i don't know i for me it feels like if you really align yourself with something that you you kind of create a trap for yourself
1: yeah, well it depends what it is I think. I think you're right. I think if you align politically, personally, I feel like when you align, if you're a journalist and you want to vote, like that's obviously that's fine, but it's like if you make all your work about that, that's when there's a problem because it's obvious that you you without realizing it people can end up with an agenda. You know, objectivity I don't really believe in it in in the pure form. Like I've said, you know, I cover a lot of war and I've seen a lot of horrible things and I've I've said this whether, you know, Western journalists who, who are like no this is nonsense but it's true if you're a completely objective journalist in the face of like brutal authoritarianism murder killings then you're a psychopath frankly mm-hmm. if you're seeing children get killed and you'll say well I'm an objective journalist and therefore I'm not going to let this affect me no like be don't be neutral be truthful say like they're doing this and that doesn't mean pick a side that just means point it out wherever it is if your favorite rebel group does something bad point that out too but don't then just be like oh well you know it's, it's a shame that these kids died but here's some more numbers it's like no like humans don't work like that humans mm-hmm. are based with interaction and feelings and there's no reason that should be removed from journalism so long as it's the truth you know and you have to be open about your biases I think everyone has biases like I said if you mm-hmm. don't you are a psychopath yeah, you know yeah. like if you're open about it that's actually more honest being allegedly objective is one of the most dishonest things you can do in such a certain situation you know i think well you know i
0: interviewed mike cernovich i know i'm going to
1: get a load of shit from it
0: and, and like me. Do, yeah <laughs> but even doing it early on like people are going to give me a lot of shit from yeah. it but the reason i wanted to speak to him is that i'd seen his work about epstein i thought that was interesting i wanted to talk to him about that and look the conversation went on but i thought that was interesting work in prep i watched his documentary hoaxed which you know it covers a lot of, I guess it, you would say it's, it's almost certainly got a right wing bias to it. But what was very interesting in that he, is that he was saying it's not about what, what news now is about narratives. And the most important thing is that, you, you know, you should be honest about your bias. Like I have a bias so like I, I have a conservative bias with regards to the economy and I have a liberal bias with regards to human rights and, and uh, liberty. And I'm, I'm cool with that. But I've also got to a point, Jake, I don't think I'm going to vote anymore. I know that sounds terrible when we want countries around the world to have democracy, but
1: as much as I want... Who do you vote for, you start to Yeah, you. who
0: do you vote for? I don't want to vote for... Anarchy because, wins, mate. No well, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I want to be an anarchist in a democratic society because I don't think there are many... Decent people to vote for, and like, look, look what's going on in our country, dude. I know, the fucking it's a Brexit. Joke, I know. You know, know. The, we're in this horrible position where the country voted for Brexit. Okay, let's on a democracy. Oh, but people lie, so we can't. Let's have a second vote. Well, what about a third vote? We're in this big just political mess because there's no one left to really you can believe in to vote for.
1: There's, in my opinion, no solid opposition either. But I'm not nope. a particularly fan of Corbyn. I don't. I find him to be a kind of bourgeois. Like pretend representation of so-called left you know i don't see that as And personally i'm like what's left about him you know like i don't really other than what he says you know i saw the other day he's saying like oh the first thing we're gonna do is recognize palestine if we get in now that's fine but what about all the fucking people that are working like for minimum wage and people that are going to food banks and homeless people and drug addiction what about that isn't, shouldn't you focus on that? Like, Do you think my mate down the road who has two jobs and goes to the food bank gives a fuck about you representing Palestine? Like, I, I don't mean to be horrible about that. Like, I, you know, I definitely feel bad for the Palestinian people, but come on, like, let's, let, what he's doing and my, my point is what he's doing is showboating, in my opinion, to like bourgeois West London leftists. And that for me is not really gonna help the class situation in our country. And then Boris Johnson, like, I can't even talk about that guy, but, you know. But if like, he it... burns, I'll laugh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also at the same time with him, like, I've got mixed views. Like, there's a lot I don't like about him. But one thing I do like about him is the fact that he's come with an iron fist on the issue of Brexit. You know, he's standing up for a vote that happened. It's, like, it's
1: not going to affect him. You know, he's course. so rich. It's not going to affect him. No deal. No deal. And I, personally, I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> I just want to get yeah. it sorted. But it's like, no deal means people that we know people that are in the, the struggling in society are probably going to get fucked. He's not going to get
0: fucked. Of course he's not. You know what I mean? No, of course he's not. But then this is where I get lost in the different narratives, right? Because yeah, I speak to so many people doing this. So right now you're making a valid point. My brother's made the same point that this is going to fuck a lot of people, Brexit. I've also spoke to a lot of people who are saying, look there's a lot of problems with socialism, that the European Union is is essentially a super socialist state, which isn't democratic. By having Brexit, we're actually going to have the ability to make better decisions on the (coughs) ground in the UK, and that ultimately, that's going to be better for for people. So, like, you get mixed in these different narratives and stories, and sometimes I'm like, I don't know who the fuck to believe anymore.
1: Life is hard. Yeah. no, That's it, man. I mean, I think this is why it's good to have these discussions. Like, like if we talk, I know that you're not going to be like, well, I I think this, I think that. I'm, I'm the same, like... I'm very happy to be called out on my shit. Like yeah. I have my closest friends will say, Jake, shut the fuck up. And then I'll go, yeah, you're right, actually. You know what I mean? And often yeah. I'll say things I don't particularly mean just to get a rise out of someone because I'm like, let's have the debate, let's yeah. talk. You know, Let me learn from you and you learn from me. Unfortunately, everybody's so offended now that you have to be careful the way you word things. But you know what I mean? It's, it, it is good to have this, man. You should be able to say, hang hey, on, what about, you? I'm from a very like political family. I remember growing up, you know, my family are Irish on one side and Welsh on the other. And, you know, I remember my dad's very, very class conscious, you know, working class, socialist. My granddad's the same. And we, we grew up, you know, constantly talking about politics. And as a kid, I didn't even realize it was just normal. And then as you get older and you, I try and talk about this and people are like, no, 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 don't do this. I'm like, well, isn't that normal? Shouldn't you be allowed to just have that in your life? Yeah. Like, I, you know, I talk to my child about stuff that happens, oh, yeah, this and that, and it should be normal because it's, it's everywhere. You can't yeah. escape it, you know. And why not talk about it instead of just like, Fence yourself off into your group. What does that even mean? No.
0: Well, that's I said to you, I, that's what I'd been doing on Twitter. I'd been using Twitter as a research tool. And the way yeah, I you would do some it, fucking ruckus on there. <laughs> well, man. yeah, but I, th- I tend to like throw myself into debates. Mm. And what I'll do sometimes, I'll take one side so I can see the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've yeah. done this with gun rights in the US. My, my personal opinion is, is kind of nuanced in that. And I've kind of got to this position where I think I wouldn't want to change the like not that my opinion matters and I could but just for the sake of this conversation of I wouldn't want to change drastically change the gun laws in the US because I understand it culturally I spent time with people out say in, saying why a place like Wyoming recently I understand what guns mean I've shot guns now and I understand why they want them but at the same time I wouldn't want to introduce them into the UK so but what I did is I threw myself in at one point saying I was very anti-gun and I was seeing all the objections coming back which helped me prepare for my interview with Ragnar. Following that, I've kind of thrown myself the other way, become pro-gun and seeing all the reactions that come back, just because I want to see both sides of the debates. But sometimes you get there and you're like, fuck, none of this is solvable because everybody is very much binary about their decision and they will argue it to the death. Mm,
1: that's it. It's, it. I think you're right. You hit no, the it, nail. It's not solvable. You know, certain things in life just aren't. Yeah. You know, the gun debate is interesting to me. Like, I'm, I come from a leftist perspective of I think everyone should be allowed to own a rifle in theory, just in case the government turns against you, you know, which has been ironically the right have a real monopoly on gun talk at the minute. But mm-hmm. actually, it's always, always been a leftist perspective of we should all be armed because if our government kicks off, we need to be able to fight back in some way. Now,
0: well, if you look now in Hong Kong, I, I right? like recently. They're in a position now where the the Chinese police, well. Hong Kong police. Hong Kong, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chinese yeah. police right. are um, essentially now moving to using guns now. Yeah, two kids have been shot. Two kids
1: have been shot. A Sh- few shots have been fired. Yeah. Like, it only takes a matter of time before someone's killed. You know? Yeah.
0: I mean, that, that's going to happen. So but what tell- would happen if they had weapons? And is that a good thing? If they were shooting back? I mean, I don't well, know. Well,
1: this is what I was talking about recently to a friend of mine who's very anti-gun, like a leftist that's anti-gun and blah, blah, blah. And he made a really good point I never thought of. Again, having discussions is good. And I said, I was actually, he's American and I was kind of like ragging on him as I do a lot about the left in America. I'm like, they're weak, anti far in America, are pathetic. They're You know, I, I I come from a different, I know a lot of Americans are like, they're terrorists. I'm like, no, they're not militant enough. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's my stance. But anyway, like, and he said, well, look, like in, as I said, in Europe, like our, our activists will fight the police and when they think it's right to do so. And he made a really good point. He said, yeah, because of the gun laws, like, whatever. And I said, well, yeah, but we don't have... He said, well, yeah, your police don't. So then you can actually fight back against police in a certain manner. He said, we can't because we just get fucking shot straight away. I was like, I never thought about Mm. that. So in that case, maybe that actually restricts certain protests. You can't then... If a policeman hits you, you can't even hit him back in America. You'll get shot. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I thought, hmm... I don't know now you know but
0: uh and and why should the state have weapons why and the should people just, not right why not because then it just becomes coercion and actually exactly do you know what there's yeah. this story it was
1: and you're I, saying stories about you there, but yeah. you're basically saying the state is above you
0: always yeah when they historically have usually proven to not act in the best interest of the people <laughs> right usually yes. with absolute power corrupting and you know i don't think any of us are fans of our government, and the US government, the number of wars they've started. I mean, look, look yeah. it's all fucking bullshit. But one of the stories that I find most interesting is out, I've talked about this a couple of times, is out in the US, it was based in Nevada, it was to do with grazing rights It was when the militia defended yes. the farm. Yeah. I thought that was great. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Protect because, your
1: farm is a good saying.
0: You know, and they won. And they wouldn't have been able to do that without their, you know, standing there with their ar 15s because the government weren't going to go in and just.
1: They Have don't a shootout? No,
0: and mm. you know what? And I think everybody, well, a lot of people were, were on the side of the militias, so I do find that really interesting. And you know, certainly friends of the UK who might listen to this for a first time will think, "What the fuck's happened to Pete?" <laughs> but I, I, I'm starting to understand that side of things, and you know, and I was only able to do that by going out to the US, spending time with people, talking to mm. people, and actually, the problem with guns isn't the guns; it's a, it's a problem of mental health.
1: It is, yeah. There's a, there's a really good thing I was reading that put things in perspective for me. I. Th- I I could be wrong on some of this, it was a while ago, but I think Iraq is the country with the most unlicensed firearms on earth. And they have had one school shooting and that wasn't even really a school shooting. It was like a lad came in and shot his teacher because he hated him. So the most unlicensed firearms, no school shootings. Yes, they have war and other, other issues, but a school shooting is something that's very specific. America, so many school shootings. It's not the guns, it's the society that is sick. Why does someone feel the need to go and shoot up for school? It's not because, well, there's a gun. I might as well shoot up for school. That's not how it works. There's a problem there in the society, you know, and it's, certain societies don't need guns. I, you know, as much as I'm chatting shit now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like contradict myself. I do fear that if we suddenly had the gun rights for America, I know where I live or my area, every lad would have a gun and they'd be killing each other within 24 hours.
0: But it's already happening in London. Like, they're killing each other with knives. Yeah, but, and like, there a are gun shootings. is very
1: specific, I think.
0: But we're, we are having shootings.
1: Yeah, but if they were easy... I know lads that, like... I know lads that are, like, not even criminals. I just know, like, yeah. if they could get a gun... They'd go, fuck it, I'll shoot someone instead of punching them. You know? Which
0: might lead you or I to think, well, we would need to have one in the house just in case.
1: And then before you know it, everyone... Escalates. Yeah.
0: But see, that's my point. Is like, it goes straight back to that, is that I don't want to change the laws here. Mm. And I see how you can't change really change the laws in the US. You can't. I, no, you know, it's far too late. There'll be war. Yeah. No. But it's only by getting out there and having these conversations. You know, the interview I did with Ragnar, it's an independent discussion yeah, that yeah. goes up on the internet and it's been heard by 15 20,000 people and, you know, very small compared to, the, to other people but i think this is the importance of independent journalism independent conversations like this that allow people just to have a broader broader uh, discussion because if you rely on mainstream media there's pretty much always going to be a bias
1: yeah like as there is with anything i think but it's i think it's good to have an alternative you mm-hmm. know like i read the new york times i think their foreign coverage is great yeah but then there's other things that i'll be like well i'm not going to fucking read about this for them you know what I mean and I'm Mm. not going to read like Bloomberg to hear about the news at the banks because I know that they're not going to report on that actually they're going to like lick their ass but are, you know you you just have to pick and choose but again people haven't got time you know people are working you and me are very lucky actually Mm. because we do this we can do what we like and whatever people are working like 40-50 hours a week more Breaking their necks, and then they come home. and They look after their kids, and they got to cook dinner. They haven't got fucking time to do this.
0: And also, I think sometimes they put on the TV, and they don't realise the bias of what they're exactly. watching. Exactly,
1: and who can blame them? No, you know, like I do. There is a, there is quite a snobbish thing in journalism where people are like, oh yeah, he's he's reading that. He's reading. It's like, mate, you don't know how hard people's lives are. Mm. You're lucky if you can get them to go to something alternative, and you're lucky if you could just make sure it's not some bullshit Fox News or right wing whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? Life is hard, man, and people are struggling, and you can't expect them to be suddenly so enlightened all the time you know so
0: where do you feel this is all going because like right now everything seems to be getting more extreme yeah Uh, i was trying to i was thinking about the other day and trying to understand where it's coming from and you know i've been watching you know i watched this documentary called the red pill and there was a group protesting outside a discussion which i thought was very interesting and then what i've noticed is there's lots of protests happening now so we've got We've got the, I can't remember where I was on the radio this morning, the environmental. Oh, like Extinction Rebellion, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we've got that. We've got the vegans who are standing outside McDonald's blocking right, people to go yeah. in. So the, there's a lot. And I was trying to think, is this is this because of the internet? Has the internet brought the world closer together that we've been able to find groups of people who have similar interests mm. in, and then build these groups? And then why is it that everyone's suddenly protesting about every issue there possibly is? <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, here's I have, a, I have a different take on it a bit. I think that there's maybe more protests now, but they're less meaningful. So, it's great you, know, point. you know, like the poll tax riots. My dad would always talk about that. And only when I got older did I, I realise what it was all about and do some research on it. People came from all over the country on buses, on trains, to meet and go like, this is out of order. We don't even know each other and we're not having it. And that, I, I think it was incredible what they did. And they, you know, people say, well, it's violent. Well, sometimes it has to be violent, you know. I'm sorry that, you know, peaceful meetings don't always work, but you have to have a a legitimate threat to the the state or whatever the power is for them to actually go, okay, we better do something. Now, like Extinction Rebellion, like what a joke. I find them a joke. I'm very, very interested in deep green ecology, looking after the environment. I'm very big on that and not in the sense of, let's stop plastic straws, like good luck. Like you think that's gonna make any dent on the absolute hell that we've done already? No, I'm I'm big on like radical change because I think actually culturally less urbanization helps people in their heart and everything. I think it's a lot better to be in nature and whatever. Extinction Rebellion, it's just a powwow for me. I think it's just like fair play to them, but it's controlled opposition. The government knows they're not really going to do anything, you know, and like it's the same with like Greta, like, and uh, I feel terrible that so many people go after her. Like, she's this young, sixteen-year-old autistic mm. girl, really believes in what she's doing, and I actually admire her. Yeah, I do. Like, I think it's amazing, but it's like, oh, you went to the UN and you asked them to stop, like, oh, they're going to stop now, like that's not doing anything. I really, no, I, it's not you know, doing what? anything.
0: I don't one hundred percent agree with everything I've heard her say, but I really, yeah, I admire yeah, her. yeah, for
1: what she's doing, like, good she, for you. Like, she's you know? sixteen, good dude. You. When I was sixteen, I was like. I was a moron. Yeah, I was a moron. I was like, oh, let's go and steal a car. Like, oh no, let's not. Like, (laughs) those are the decisions I used to think about. She's going to the UN and like, and then she'll have an iPhone, and some fucking right wing guy's like, huh? Well, she's got an iPhone. Like, yeah, yeah that, that's how the world works. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Although she wouldn't travel on a plane, she went on the boat. They're like, well, do you know what the cost went into the production of the boat? And it's just kind of like, look.
1: Like, surprised we don't live in the 1800s. Yeah.
0: Though. I find the environment stuff
1: really interesting
0: because, you know, on my Bitcoin world, there's a lot of people, they're climate change deniers or mm. deniers of the fact that it's human caused. And then I, I always have to try and provide some evidence to prove it is. Like, I fundamentally believe. That humans are causing climate change. Yeah. I fundamentally <laughs> yeah, believe yeah. it. I've watched a lot of documentaries. I've read a lot about it. I can't sit there and just spill off the stats, but I fundamentally believe it. And I think, you know what? She's 16, and she's got into the global consciousness. Of yeah, this.
1: yeah. And I admire. I think yeah. it's
0: brilliant. And yeah, I mean, she's even. There's a little bit of hers that's a part of the intro speech for my new podcast. Because I think, you know what? whatever you this say podcast. yeah whatever this yeah there's like i've got like a i've got like a medley of different mm. bits of speech and there's one bit i just thought you know that's pretty cool mm. i don't understand why people are actually attacking her yeah. it's like come it's on it's
1: unbelievable she's 16 man. She's like, 16 years yeah. old like and she's got autism yeah like you should be you know the very first thing you should be like thinking right we need to protect people like that from attack because yeah. they're more vulnerable and secondly, look what she's doing, yeah. you know? Like, it's incredible. But again, I don't think it's going to make a difference. And I do think it enables specifically like neoliberal types to feel like they're making a difference. Yeah. I support Greta. I went to the march. And, and now what? Now what? It's the idea. <laughs> well, we went to the march. So you can talk about it around your nice little dinner party in your nice little West London house and do fuck all else. Yeah. But I support Greta. Yeah, but you're not actually doing anything, you know? It's fine, I get it. But it's like... That controlled opposition is very dangerous because it gives people the illusion that they're changing things while the government just carries on literally laughing, being like, whatever. You know, I, I feel like the threat of protests in the West are very minimal now, you know, like. In the rest of the world, people are getting really aware, like, we have to cause real ruckus. Hong Kong, perfect example, as we've spoken about. A lot of Western people saying, well, they attacked a police officer. First of all, like, don't be a bootlicker. Secondly, like, I'm sorry that the protest hasn't gone exactly as you want it to. I'm sorry that you in England didn't see the protest exactly pan out as you wanted it to. Like, it's, it's, again, it's nothing to do with you. They, put, they started off peacefully police attack them they realised they said to me I've just been out of there they said look every time they escalate violence we will escalate violence and it's like violence is bad but sometimes it's a tool you know and it's it, not that all protest needs to be violent but I just feel like this controlled opposition is very dangerous because it makes again makes people think that the effect is bigger than it is and really it's not you know Extinction Rebellion in a year well, maybe I'm wrong actually maybe it would be good to open people's eyes to a lot of stuff they perhaps wouldn't have it's good that people are hearing about them mm-hmm. But then I hope, you know, read Desert. There's a good book called Desert. And like people like this, you know, read into really how bad things are. And then I think maybe then work out another way, you know. Well,
0: I think the climate stuffs. I think we're fucked. (laughs) I think we're fucked. Yeah, yeah. If if
1: you look at, you know, you've done a lot of research on this as I have. If you look at it, there's no real way to turn it back. You know, one of my sisters I spoke to about this. And she studies like geography and stuff like this. and. She's not radical at all, but she made me laugh. One day, I said, "What do you think needs to be done to actually save the earth?" Because she she's geography in terms of the environment. I don't know what it is called, but whatever. And and she said, "Destroy every car," and I laughed. She said, "No, no. Like, if you want to make a difference, we literally have to destroy every car now." (laughs) And I laughed, and she was like, "I'm serious." Well,
0: dude, there's like three options, right? You get to a you get you go zero carbon. Yeah, which is virtually impossible because there's no will from there's no real will from the western governments to do this
1: absolutely and, not. Yeah. and
0: certainly not even from developing countries that you know they're rightly saying well this is unfair you're developed countries we're not we don't exactly. have the technology we
1: don't have the, the yeah exactly we don't have that like privilege to do that you know
0: option two is what will be will be and i think things will gradually get weirder and weirder and more fucked up or well, thirdly there'll be some weird scientific experiments to try and col- go <laughs> put stuff up in the atmosphere which i've read about or put Mm. stuff in the ocean to reflect Mm. sunlight and that we've got no idea the consequences but i think we're too late there is no will from the western governments who lead this essentially to make a change i've come to that reality i just don't know when in mine or my kid's lifetime it starts to get out of control where there are climate wars because there almost certainly will be climate migration which will lead to climate wars and i think that's concerning and i don't know if that's in five years or 35 years.
1: I think that's exactly right, man. And I think there's this thing I see a lot of like right wingers will talk about and be like, oh, oh, well, they said this was going to happen in the 90s and it still hasn't happened. It's like, do you know how small amount of time that is? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know how long it took the dinosaurs out kind of extinction? No one is saying it's going to happen right this second. But man, look at the summer we had this year. You're telling me that, oh, no, no, it's just the weather's changing. Or maybe it is, but mate, I'm telling you now, I hadn't experienced When I was in Syria this year, it was as hot in Syria as it was in England when I was, I was. I took my friends. Hey, what's the what's the weather like, boys? I'm chilling. It's hot here. And they're like, Yeah, it's hot as fuck here too. <laughs> well, well,
0: people are moving from the coast, the, certainly parts of the eastern coast in the US. I mean, downtown New York has flooded. Uh, was it Hurricane Sandy? I think it flooded. Right. And you've got parts of Miami that are flooding.
1: Uh, you so know, they're moving already, right? Yeah, yeah there's, you know, okay. there's
0: minimal amounts of climate migration already happening. You know, we are seeing. We are seeing the uh, melting of the polar ice caps. It's happening. happening, of course, it, yeah, like, exactly, it's, The yeah. scientists have proven it's there. What yeah. we don't know is the full impact. It's yeah. kind of scary, dude.
1: I, I, for me, the biggest issue, though, and this sounds selfish, but the biggest issue, well, not the biggest issue, but one of the big problems, is the way that, like, living outside of nature in a big urbanized kind of skyscraper, what I see as a hellhole. To be honest, like that is very bad for the human interaction. You know, like there's a reason that people in the countryside feel better off than a guy living in a tiny little flat in a city you know that for me is the biggest issue and it, it changes your culture if you live in if i'm not saying we all got go back to primitive times or anything like that but if there was just a little bit more of like okay i can't just go to sainsbury's i've got to go to the butcher and support the independent butcher and then maybe if i chop this log and get this guy to help me you'll make friends you'll make neighbors your community will be better together right well i don't even know my neighbors man like i know one of my neighbors you know and it's like that's fucked up. Like, that's just not, for me, that's just not right. It shouldn't be like that. Because then you have no reason, really, to look after your community, you know?
0: Well, I can give you a very obvious and easy example of what you're talking about. Look, if me and the kids stay in on the weekend, if we just kind of hang around the house and kind of watch TV and just don't really go out and do anything, everyone's at each other's throat. You know, the, the two of them are fighting, we're fighting. If we go out and spend the weekend outside, say we just go out to the park go for a walk around the woods or something, we're all happier, we just are. You feel
1: it, right? Like, you, you feel, feel it. You feel the energy. A, yeah. You can't deny the energy. And like, I sound like some hippie, but when you're in nature, I really feel that. I don't know, about mm. you, but I feel I like there's an energy here. I don't know what it is. I'm not saying it's religion, God, anything, but there's something, just humans, you're meant to be there. No, maybe not all the time, but if I'm stressed. Go for a walk, see the grass, see the see the trees, and I feel I'm all right. I feel better now, you know.
0: Do you know what else we we're also doing? When we go out now, we leave our phones at home. Yeah,
1: the best thing. Same. When I, I yeah. walk my dog like three times a day, every time I leave my phone in my car. It's just like you have to do that. Man,
0: I've even bought a new phone. I'm waiting for it to be delivered. This thing called the Light Phone, where all it does is text, call, and Are alarm. Medita is it? No, it's called okay. the Light Phone. It's uh, it's up on one of the like fundraising sites. Yeah. They they did the first one, but yeah, all you can do is phone, text, and alarm. It's right?
1: all white, no. Yeah, it's all white, all, all black. It's like 300 and fucking... I know, yeah, yeah. I, I looked at it, yeah. And I was like, that's great. And then they launched a Kickstarter. I was like, nah. I was like, like, I'll just get a burner. But like, it, for me, it's,
0: for that, that's an example of like, my phone, when you got a phone, it was handy. It was great. I can call and text anyone wherever I am. And then it just became the thing that you become addicted to. Like, if I go and look at screen time and the stuff I've been doing, it's kind of scary, especially mm. like Twitter as well. But when we go out and we don't have a phone, we just sit at the table and talk, you know? So... Having that phone's gonna ultimately change my relationship with a phone in that it just becomes a device that's useful at the point I need it, not this addiction thing that, that with all those little buzz triggers and
1: right, and they they get you hooked on they it. They're like hooked. the drug pushers of the modern age. Mm-hmm. It's like Silicon Valley is the fucking Al Capone, you know, it's it's disgust well, did he sell drugs? No. But you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. like uh, it's disgusting. I, I, I am a hypocrite for it as well because I'm mm-hmm. online a lot. But for me it's almost become like because of the business, popular front, you know, and I'm running my business, it's basically a business, you know what I mean, media, but whatever. And it's like, I have to do this, I have to do that, otherwise, no one will know what we're about. And I'm getting tired, man. I get mm. tired of it. I'm like, fuck. Every night at 11 p.m., I put the phone down, and then something will come in my head, oh, I need to do that, I need to do that. And if you know it, you're going to do it. I'm like, I'll just check that, I'll just check that. Damn. And I have 30 minutes staring at fucking fire. Like, and then you can't get to on? sleep straight away. Exactly. It's, you're wired. A, it's very bad for you. You know, my favorite period of time for technology was when. We had phones, but it was just for texting, just for ringing. And when, you know, like PS1 days, you yeah. know, like that was perfect for me. I'll give you that. I'll give you the yeah.
0: PS1, the early days of the internet. We had Napster. Uh, yeah, right. Know, MSN. Loved- yeah.
1: Things were a bit wild, you know.
0: Now it's just like, it's too much. and yeah. You know, and I see the impact, you know, on all children. I just, you know, I see like Snapchat. I remember I was in this airport and I was at the conveyor belt waiting for my um, luggage. And this kid's just opened his phone, he's just got off the plane, and he stood there on his snap. And I don't really know how to use Snapchat. No, I have no. one friend which is my son, is the right, only yeah. way he replies. But and he just sat there taking the same photo over and over again, sending it to like people over just and over. Himself. All- yeah, all the way down, all yeah, the way yeah. down. Yeah. And then I've watched like my you know, yeah, my son is utterly addicted. I cannot get him off Snapchat, and it's just Relentless hour after hour of conversation, conversation with his friends, and it's got too much. Yeah.
1: Who needs to talk that much? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like a bit of a, a loner. To me, I like being alone. I very much yeah. like being on my own. Like I do my work and I talk to people. But there'll be times where phones in the drawer, sit down, watch a film, and I just think, how can you be constantly on that? Yeah, you know, like what what is there to talk about then when you meet up? You know, and I guess there's always something, but it is a struggle man like you know i feel i'm a bit of a like kind of an old guy in that sense you know like i'm old before my time but i definitely notice other friends have been like yeah that's good actually i'm gonna do that as well and like our generation i feel like are the last to understand that it's not good to be on your phone that much i feel like the younger generation maybe the next one after that don't even get that yeah it's just normal like, yeah i'll just be on your phone all the time at least we're like right this is fucked up let's put this down
0: dude we're doing the uh, how old are you 29 oh you're 10 years younger than me but we're doing uh, the uh, in my day yeah we're doing that <laughs> yeah, we're doing that yeah, we're doing, yeah. in my day we get the wireless out yeah in yeah, yeah, my day true. we didn't we didn't have a phone oh, fucking weird, gonna, is that? yeah we yeah. didn't all right well listen look we should talk about your work sure Because your work is super cool look you've traveled the world man you've seen conflicts you've seen the best and worst of humans mm. like what's your kind of overall feeling of like how do you take it all in everything you've done everything you've seen how do you reflect on the world with all
1: That's a good question, but I've never really thought of it like that. That broad, how do you Mm. take it in? Um, Have you become desensitized to the (laughs) worst of humans? I've become desensitized to certain acts of violence. The thing is, the the idea of desensitization is not necessarily always as insidious as it sounds, I don't think. So if I see a beheading video, which I have watched for research purposes, which you, unfortunately you have to, you know. It's not the beheading you're watching, it's other things, you know. But now, like, if I saw that, it's like... (laughs) It's bad, but I'm not going to flinch. I won't even... That sounds bad, but it doesn't mean that you think it's okay. You know what I mean? Like there's Mm -hmm. desensitization and then there's something else. So obviously I think... I've always been in favor of you have to see the ugly things. You know, you have to see... For example, the other day there was some like fucking Nazi commenting on something on Popular Front on the Instagram, and a few like anarchos even, which was ironic. Were like, "Stop this guy from commenting." I said, "Look, man, these guys are scum. You got to see the scum out there as well. Unfortunately, you do, you know." And it's the same with the work. You have to see the bad things to I think like understand how people are living. There's a very I don't know. I feel very blessed to have seen a lot of things. I've seen the people I've met in these wars are just like some of the most incredible people ever. I to be honest. I think way more about the good people that I've met and the struggles that they're in rather than like oh I can't believe that I can't believe that bastard like which maybe people will be surprised about because I seem always angry online <laughs> but I'm actually not I'm very happy to have met so many people and like I really care about it as well like I I know some people are like why do you care about that so much it's just a job and it is just a job and I'm not one of these guys that thinks I'm going to change the world but I do obviously I care about the people I've met you know like and the people that are fighting for like their freedom is like a big, important thing, I feel like. And I feel like that should be uncompromising, you know. And I've met people that also agree with that and to the point where they're doing things that are just like selfless, you know. Like I'm fighting for this, I'm fighting for that. And and I don't mean like necessarily like with a gun, just people that are trying to keep their family afloat, having a laugh in the worst place possible. Like people in the Middle East have like the best sense of humor I've ever seen in my life. Like I love it. So dark and evil and funny, you know, like because how else are they going to deal with this, you know? Mm. So I think like, honestly, I just feel really blessed to have seen it all and and it it does make me like, I get very frustrated with being back home sometimes because I just think like, I'm not one of these what about us. I don't think, well, do you know how lucky we are? It's not that, but I sometimes I do think like, man, I've met people with nothing who were still nice and polite and will be, you know, and just good people. And then sometimes you meet someone who's got fucking everything and you're just like, you're still an arsehole. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm an arsehole, but you know what I mean? I like, know what it's, you mean. And it's just, that that is sometimes I feel conflicted. I feel like never quite at home.
0: Well, one you of the things I mean? about the work you do is that. Without you having done that work, I wouldn't have realised the amount of conflicts that are ongoing. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's something I focus on a lot. Yeah, underreported conflicts. Yeah,
0: Yeah. because look, the mainstream news seems to cover just the main conflicts. I mean, even to the point of the only way I was finding out information about what was going on with, say, the Yellow Jacket campaigns was via Twitter. It Mm. just wasn't covered really on the news. It was for like a week. Yeah.
1: There, There is also another perception. I've done this myself and this is how I know. There is a thing where people go well, the mainstream aren't covering it. And then and then you Google it and you're like, oh, they are. I'm just maybe not watching it. You know, like, I don't mm-hmm. have a TV. I have a TV, but I don't have any channels tuned in. So I, like, you know what I mean? But no, there is definitely, you are right in the sense that like, it will come and just vanish, you know? And I know that with Popular Front, what we did when we covered the yellow jackets, we did a bit of the conflict on the ground, the clashes, but we got all the archive of the police just beating people up, like relentlessly. And we put that in there. And a lot of people were like, fuck, I didn't see mm-hmm. that on Sky. I didn't see that on the BBC. And- Maybe they did put it up, but I think sometimes it's just like, you have to really lay that out there, you know, and they don't. I feel like the news now is a bit scared to put something a bit like nasty out there. In the 90s, it's not. If you watch coverage from the 90s of like BBC and all of them doing amazing war coverage now, I don't know, it's different.
0: Yeah. The only person I tend to follow now for war coverage is Sky News Crawford.
1: Alex Crawford yeah, yeah she seems to she did something quite bad recently in my opinion like she, she kicked off with me about it for even questioning her but like okay. she worked with like like a known jihadist in Idlib like I don't actually I think like to show the horror that the regime you know Assad regime is doing to people in Idlib you sometimes have to work with bad people but you should always be upfront about it I think and she was like this is a guy we just happened to meet and it's like really right I didn't <laughs> know that the only English speaking but no she, I like. I don't want to take away from it. she's done excellent work yeah know. Um, But it
0: seemed to be a thing. Like I remember from my childhood, the the war reporter. Yeah, yeah, it was a big thing. You know, was it K. Ad was? it K. Ad was always out there? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, but (laughs) But, like it was the thing that the the war reporter. It seems to be. I don't know. I I seem to feel there's less of it.
1: I think with technology, a lot of people can report their own stuff. You know, so there's massacres happening right now in Iraq, and there are lads on the ground just filming it with their smartphone and going like, "Look what's happening," which is a gift and a curse because it means that you can rely, like this citizen journalist idea is nice until you realize that some people will lie or they'll they'll misunderstand the situation. So sometimes you do need a trained, or at least an experienced, I'm not trained, but like an experienced journalist to be like, this is what it is. You know, there is an art in actually bringing out the nuance of a situation Mm -hmm. as opposed to here's a raw clip where you've no idea what's going on, but that looks bad, you know? Of course, there are things like I saw a video this morning where like a fucking security forces in Iraq just shoot unarmed protesters. That's obviously you can see that, but like yeah. you also do need someone out there, I think, to to message it back to you because in the West or whatever, we don't understand certain things because we don't live out there. So, what,
0: so what's going on in Iraq right now? Because you said it's it's like there's a lot of protests. It's White hugely spread. underreported. What's going on? It's
1: it's what it is is basically people have got sick of the corruption and there's a real problem with uh, unemployment there. There's a problem with, like, Iran has a lot of influence now, Shia militias, or the, the al shabi like, all these weird groups. And basically, people have just gone, this is getting ridiculous. They started kicking off a bit in Baghdad, like, main city in Iraq. And then straight away, security, security forces just came out and shot, like, a few people. There's a horrible video of a guy just standing there, gunshots, and it literally his intestines just fall out. You know? Like, this guy's got no weapons. He's not a jihadi. He's just saying, I'm sick of being poor. I'm sick of this boom shot the live round as people are in the middle east they don't have that you know they're not going to be pacified so you know they were like right we're taking to the streets I think over 100 unarmed protesters have been shot in the last two weeks now, dead, like killed. But that's
0: not been reported. I've not seen it it, it is
1: out there. It is out there. But you are actually right on this situation. For some reason, it's not a big... I don't know why.
0: Is it an embarrassment to the Western nations? Maybe, you know, maybe. the situation it, we caused?
1: Yeah, well, well, definitely we caused a lot of the problems in Iraq, without a doubt. But I think what it is, is honestly, it's not that insidious. Often it's budgets... Journalism is in a real crisis right now. That's not me saying it, that's everyone will tell you. There's not enough budgets to go around, there's not enough experienced people to send out to certain places. But I don't know, mate. Sometimes I do think, like, I'll be honest with you, like, I know The Guardian, like, and they, they do some terrible stuff, but they do do some good stuff. And they'll be like always asking on their website, well, we need this money. And it's like, yeah, fair play, donate to The Guardian, but I've been to their office. And they're wasting a lot of money on shit, you know. Don't Let me tell you now, journalists have got used to a certain kind of lifestyle. Like to the point where I've this sounds really fickle, but I'd be like, those desks, you don't need them. <laughs> you don't need this desk. Get one that's half the price. And you'd be surprised how much money you can save. I remember once reading this report where an airline had to save a million dollars a year. And this guy came in and took the olives out of the martinis. And because the amount of olives they were ordering... They saved a million I don't know if it's true but like you know what I mean you need to have that mindset if you want to save money man
0: well you you, you know we're talking about this beforehand if you want to go and make a film you know you can do it on a budget
1: right I know I was about to say that like popular front we call it shoestring lifestyle and it's real <laughs> well I
0: travel a lot with this but I'm I'm on Momondo and I find the cheapest fly it doesn't matter whether it's United American BA I just get the cheapest fly and I'll fly economy and I'm out there I will stay not the cheapest hotel always but mm-hmm. like I you know I have a budget like you and I keep you're in, it. within your means right? yeah, yeah but I I can produce this show i can produce this show for relatively low cost and yeah, get it out yeah. there now i don't expect someone like the guardian to go to this level and of course be this raw i'm yeah, being a
1: bit like yeah, yeah but
0: but you know there is this thing whereby almost by the fact that you are producing this raw content on a budget you you end up trusting it more
1: yeah i think so i, I found that people really we're very honest with popular front somebody say why aren't you here I'm broke. <laughs> I can't afford to fly out there. And yeah. people have gone, like, okay. And, and it wasn't that was never really a plan of mine. It's just as I am. You know, I'm very like, fuck it, it is what it is. Some people hate me for it, some people like it. But I think what you can is know that, like, well, they're not lying. Like, they might be a bit rude or we don't like their point, but it's like they're not lying. It's just like, it is what it is. This is how it is. And I think in an age where, like, everybody's worried about agendas, ours is very clear. There's I say there's only one stance politically that I I make sure that is within popular front and that's anti-authoritarianism. Yep. If that's a problem for you, fuck you. You know like I hate authoritarianism whether that's from left, right, government, anyone. I don't like it.
0: Half the planet live under authoritarianism. Exactly regime. like. So let know, me ask you something on that, right? So.
1: Yeah. No, sure. Iraq
0: was uh, an authoritarian regime. Yeah. You know Saddam. ruled by Saddam <laughs> and now it's essentially a democracy. <laughs> but is it better? Because you know my, you know I'm not saying that like the goal of dem- democracy is not a, you know, a valid goal, but like my dad said it to me once. he said, "Look, everything, every criticism you have of Saddam Hussein, he managed to control." The country, and it's certainly in a worse state in, in a, under a number of measures than it was under his rule, w- was there a better way to democracy with that country? And how do you even... It's like one, another one of those unsolvable problems because you want to go, yeah, but it's a democracy now. It's great. Yeah, but so many people are killing each other mm. and there's a lot of terrorism, mm. a lot of groups there. Where do, how do you kind of balance that?
1: That is a good question. But the way I see it is, I personally, I'm not saying I'm right. I think it's better to live in chaos but free than live under anything like that because, you know, who is it better for? It wasn't better for the Kurds to live under Saddam because nope. he gassed millions of them with mustard gas and halajer mm-hmm. and like there were pictures of babies dying. Yep. He 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 let his son literally like kill any woman that he wanted to. Yep. Oh, but he let the buses run. So fucking what? Yep. You know, that's what I would argue, so what? And you know, I, I don't know, I feel like a free country, even if there are more problems with it, there's something in the head that will affect you forever to be free. Now, mm-hmm. we were talking about Rojava right earlier, northeast Syria where the Kurds control. Today, Turkey's invaded, the US has just betrayed the Kurds, let them do it. It's gonna be a bloodbath. Now, when I was out there, I was talking to, to this, this woman that we were working with, our fixer, Habat Abbas, one of the most amazing people we meet. She's from Syria, Rojava, she lives out there. And she said something to me, she said, look, even if all this is destroyed, the fact we did it, like they live under a very democratic, very free society, like which is unheard of in the Middle East where they are specifically the women are completely free there it's incredible and she said at least we did it and what she meant was like this will be remembered there may be in 20 years there'll be another uprising and they'll go hey those, remember those guys they did it we can do it and maybe that will spur on the freedom maybe that will maybe right now in Iraq is a mess but maybe the fact that they've had democracy for a bit will allow the future when we're dead and gone for people to go hey we can do it we did it then like let's do it now you know but the idea is, though, what democracy is. I believe in direct democracy. I believe in small government and autonomous. Like, I think should, you know, I don't think that anyone in Westminster that has never been to my town should be allowed to decide what really happens there because they have no idea. But when you get, like, America's democracy in a box, we all know how that works. Yep. Is that really democracy? So, you know what I mean? It's like, well, democracy didn't work there. This is, I've seen this hard line right wing arab people need dictators no they don't they maybe they just maybe the democracy you're giving them isn't right maybe it's actually not proper democracy you
0: know yeah and you know what certainly the u.s government and to the extent the uk government we cherry pick and we selectively approve authoritarian regimes absolutely we're We're selling weapons to to saudi Saudi Arabia, killing
1: kids in school buses in yemen we're selling weapons to turkey you know we're it's madness. We're allied with some of the worst tyrants on earth, you know, and then we decide suddenly like, oh, this is democratic. Like, who are you to say that?
0: Yeah. There's so much hypocrisy in that and that's why it's just like, I don't know, i become frustrated about it. It
1: is. I find it, that to me, like I've never been able to shake it even since I was a kid, like that frustration of like, just just infuriates me of that hypocritical like and there's nothing you can do about it there's literally nothing i feel like you know? State-sponsored
0: state sponsored murders of journalists state sponsored
1: murders of journalists yeah but it's fine because we've got an arms deal with them like
0: but what? why I, this is where i don't understand why somebody doesn't stand up and just say no sorry we're not having this like i wonder what how how somebody changes how you know you and i would be a very reasonable people we would say we would never ever support an arms deal with saudi arabia blah blah mm. blah and I think a lot of people grow up idealistic, but how does somebody then become a politician and go, mm, I'm okay with this? Like what what
1: changes for them? Power, I think, you know, I think that's what it is. Also, I think people are, the, well, the way the system is set up now, I sound like some kind of like edgy teen, but you know, no, the I system, don't. as you know, like the way it's set up is you can't really flourish unless you fall in line, I think, you know, like, I mean, you know, people think Corbyn's a radical. Like if you think Corbyn's a radical, do some reading on real radical politics. He's just fallen in line. He's become a very easy kind of, you know, opposition to kind of, oh, he's moaning about this now, you know, but he's not that particularly radical, you know? And again, you know, like, even when that, if that's considered radical, then, like, in my opinion, we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I don't know. It's it's a problem, you know? We, we're living in a country where, like, it, we, have, we haven't had an elected leader. The last two leaders weren't elected. Now, I get I get it. We can't constantly have, like, elections, but... No one seems to be that bothered. What? Like, no. I think everyone's become like tired of it, you
0: know. Also, I don't think true radicals can become politicians these no, days I agree. Yeah. because they've probably got some kind of checkered past that would be exposed in Exactly.
1: The- like, and, and also, like, you know, I believe in a lot of, you know, I re- most of what I read is about radical kind of politics, and there is no cover all for everyone. Not everyone can be happy. You know what I mean. So I don't know how to do it. I'm, I don't have the answer. So I'm not a politician. I'm yeah. a terrible one. You know. But um. But also, like
0: traveling the world, you've seen all this stuff. Why, mm. You know, do you ever question why there is so much conflict?
1: I think it's human nature. Yeah. You no, know, I remember my dad said to me once. He was like, the idea. Of, but we're still animals. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Kind of. You know. Like, I remember my dad said like the idea of getting rid of religion to stop wars is nonsense because we'll fight over grass. You know, and, he, and it's very true. And there's a lot of, like, the BBC in the past very incorrectly labelled the Northern Ireland struggle as a sectarian war. And it actually wasn't about religion. It was about freedom of a country, and it was about turf and about, you know, sovereignty and stuff like that. So, therefore, you know, are we ever going to stop? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think so. Like, I think there would have to be a massive cultural shift ...all over the world, which is never going to happen... ...and, you know, you, every Friday night... ...you know, outside my house there's fist fights and stuff... ...like, there's another form of conflict, you know... ...it's just in us, I think.
0: Also, you know, doing this work, travelling world. Well, ...what are the things that you see going on... ...that people aren't aware of, that they should be aware of?
1: How many good people there are fighting... Okay. ...and fighting in different ways, like I said... ...not with the gun always, just so many good people fighting... ...so many good people standing up for what they believe in... ...and they don't often get the headlines they deserve... ...or they get killed before anyone can take notice... And that life just goes on, you know, like in, 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 I've just been in Syria, you know, and we were in Raqqa in, you know, the former ISIS capital and there are guys opening up shops and like the upper floor is ruins, you know, literally ruins, (laughs) it's smashed still from the, from the airstrikes and they're like, well, fuck it, I've got to carry on. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like people in war zones are some of the most resilient you can ever meet, you know, and it's, that to me is really inspiring when you meet people that are like, well, we've got to carry on i think that's really important to remember there's always normal people you know no. and also when you see a fighter even like an armed guy with a gun he often could have been a butcher last week or he could have been a woodworker or he could have worked in an office but the necessary thing for him to do to fight changed that you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. he didn't uh he maybe didn't ask for the war it came to his country he had to fight or run away or whatever you know not even run away you know what i'm saying like he had to leave mm-hmm. or whatever like not everybody that looks like a insurgent or whatever is a bad guy. And you'd be amazed how much you have in common with people out there like that. Like, man, I've, I've, I've had such a good laugh with like so-called rebels because you realize, I oh, was just like fucking me, man. You know, like, and it's, and it's they're weird. They still like football. They still like football. They talk about women, you know, nonsense. Like they smoke cigarettes. You know, it's just the normal. They're like, a lot of them are just completely normal. And you only see a very small snapshot of them when they're like, like firing on the front. But you have to remember, like, the reason they're fighting is because often they're like, well, we want to preserve this normal life that we have. We don't want to be killed and have our heads cut off. You know what I mean? And it's it's that's, it's that's hard to even capture that, really. You have to just be there. And it's it's hard to do. I've never worked out how to properly do it with my films either. Often we'll leave bits in that maybe other people will take out because I'm like, no, there's something about that that tells you about their human side. but. It's tricky, you know, it's tricky.
0: It's the filmmaking, your favourite side of it.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Making documentaries, I love it. I started off as a print journalist. I love Mm -hmm. writing and I feel like I'm better at writing than anything else within journalism, but I love doing the documentaries. There's something about just going out there, documenting it, and then you get back and you watch it and you're like, yes, that looks great. That's really going to make people get it. You know, when you get a good interview or you get a good bit of action or whatever, and you, you just, you look at it back and you're like, yeah, that's now captured forever. And that's going to go out and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are going to see it and they might, look, I'm not trying to like win awards or anything, I just want someone to go, oh, I didn't know about that. That's it. And if mm-hmm. I can do that, I'm really happy, like just to go like, look, this is happening, you should be aware, no one should be allowed to just chill out in ignorance, you know, I really think that.
0: It's back to that independent journalist yeah. thing again, like yeah. you're documenting the yeah you know, the real stories, what's really Absolutely, happening man. on the ground, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And I never really, I never, I did, str- even at Vice News, I struggled to kind of toe the line luckily when I was first there we had an amazing boss uh, Kevin Sutcliffe and he very much kind of let us get on with it and guided us but was never too hard but even I don't know I I find a lot of problems with mainstream journalism and I got to a point where I felt like I don't have to listen to this shit anymore I don't Mm -hmm. have to have a fucking commissioner tell me no one's interested in that like how do you know you've been earning 300 grand for the last five years and you live in like Primrose Hill how do you know how do you know what people want you know So that just got me down. I was like, you know what? I have to do it myself. I was going to quit and be a carpenter. Like, my granddad's a carpenter. So I was like, I'm going to quit and do carpentry, which is my plan from school. And I was like, let's just try this. And I'm fucking glad I did because I would have hated being a carpenter, I think. And do
0: this working. Like, it is working. I I see people talking about your work. Your YouTube stuff's great. Very cool. The podcast is amazing. Some of the people you've had on are really interesting. Yeah, thanks.
1: I'm, I'm so happy with that, man. Like, we have got, I feel like there's a certain thing we're doing that, it feels semi-original yeah. and I've always wanted to create something original I don't think it's completely original because there's clearly like a lot of my influence from Vice and other places that are in it but I feel like it's kind of new you know and there's a buzz around it which I really I work so hard at it I'm working every minute you man know? And I know you know I'm yeah, doing the like same do, right yeah exactly you know how it is you have to yeah. do this constantly but it's because it's my own and people are like yes this is cool man we like this i'm like fuck it. i have to do it i have to keep going you know it's great
0: you're going to have to let go some bits at some point and if, <sighs> if you want to scale it
1: i know like this lad once like literally in my town he like hit me up and was like hey like i see what you're doing i do video editing i was like here put these subtitles on this for me please like and put some subtitles on it and even that i was like oh he's just subtitling a video and i'm like oh no is it going to be okay and it was perfect you know you bits. know what
0: you got to find the right one so i had this en- yeah. engineer get in touch with me so i used to do everything book the interviews fly do the infuse edit the interviews engineer arrange it publish it i got this engineer out in australia and getting in touch he's an english guy i said mm. look do you want some help with this i'll do one for free and i was like look no i'll pay you but like do it and he mm. did it and it wasn't you know it wasn't perfect the first mm. time and we've gone back and forth and now at the point with him where i've done an interview and i upload it he sends me my scripts i record it he arranges it he publishes it on my website I don't even review it now, which was I know, and it was a big, it was a big step to not re-listen to my interviews, a really big step. What I realize is that when I re-listen to my interviews, I'll maybe remove. 30 seconds of an hour interview and it's usually for my own ego because I'm like I don't like the way I said something mm-hmm. but by letting go I've in, I've basically given myself 50% more capacity so I can make another show so yeah, you kind of you've got to you find the right people and you, you got to let go of
1: it. Yeah exactly and I'm, I'm like I am starting to but even like with graphics stuff like the graphics side of it is very big with Popular Front because I know what gets young people interested yeah. and then it gets them to learn stuff and even mm-hmm. that I'm like I'm like, a, I'm like a dictator. <laughs> I'm like, right, yeah. it's got to be like this. That's not right. It's got to be like this. Be this. But luckily, there's good people around me who just, mm-hmm. bam, they do it. And I'm like, mate, we've got the same vision. It's cool. So I do need to, yeah, you're right. I need to let go a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So so how does this
0: play out then? Because obviously, you've got an interest in independent media. I have. Mm. I've got a hope. You know, one of my hopes is that people become more apathetic to mainstream media or just starting to ignore it and start, mm. I want people to spend more time on independent media. But how did this play out? Like, How do you see the future of this?
1: I think we're going to, I might be wrong on this, but I think we're going back to like, like I said earlier, how the early stage of the internet was. Like I noticed people are posting more on like Medium and like blogs get more attention than they did maybe three years ago when I first started, you know, looking at independent stuff. And I think it's never going to be big. It's never, I don't think it's going to be big, big, but I think there's definitely like an industry that's being built right now. I think what we need to do, though, with independent media is really call each other out, not in a vicious way, but like be like, that's bullshit, that's bullshit. Hold each other to a standard that we would hold the other media to. Because mm-hmm. you can't suddenly go, mainstream media is shit, and then be like, independent media is good. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, is it good? If it's good, it's good. Right, that's okay. it. You know what I mean? And I think we need to like help each other. Definitely. I'm a, when I was at Vice News, when I first started there, the best thing for me was working in a team with all these people, all meeting all these weird people people teaching me things like my best friend i met through vice news and and it's like that is the best thing ever like we all need to just work with each other and not be offended by each other and if someone says you're doing bullshit here not be so such a baby and like cry about it you know because if we get annoyed with something in the mainstream and then just do that ourselves and then get annoyed with it within the independent we're no we're no different you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like you got to learn from the problems that you see elsewhere not just repeat them but on your own you know what i mean
0: no, I know exactly. What I'm, look, I'm learning on the job here, Jake. You know, I've done the, me as well, man.
1: Me as well. I've learned so much shit, man. Well, Jesus.
0: You know, I've, I did the original podcast now for nearly two years, and I've got called out a lot. And you know, I've been very defensive at times, but other times I've kind of taken a step back and said, "Well, what is it? What is it you actually having a pop at me for? Are you right?" And you know, sometimes they are right. I think I'm throwing myself into a, like a bigger cauldron with defiance because there's certainly, you know, I talked to you about the Molly McQueen interview. Mm. Like I was offered the interview. Yep. Yeah, okay, it's an information war expert. I want to do it. Got prepped. Went out did my research and now like I'm reflecting on it thinking I'm going to get called out on this I'm definitely going to get called out on Cernovich and so I, I totally agree with you I think people should call you out but it's a very very hard it's a very like it's a very difficult line to walk you're quite good at it though I think I think you're I quite know, good man. at
1: taking criticism like you maybe you know. because I'm shit I guess I, <laughs> I just
0: get a lot of criticism Yeah, maybe
1: I get a lot as well and I know there's a lot of journalists who really don't like how I'm doing things but then there is, you have to have a certain confidence in yourself as what well.
0: What do you get called out for?
1: So like, they'll say like, oh, you're making war look like whatever. You're making cool. it look cool. I'm like, I'm like, look, what I'm doing is getting young people to interact with what we're doing. And also, like, there are very fun parts of war. Now, sorry that I'm not making all of that look awful and terrible, but it's not all awful and terrible. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are good parts of it. And there are parts of it that are worth making look like, I want to watch that. Like, I'm sorry it's not all, we're here on the front line. No, we make it look very visually attractive because that makes people fucking watch it. Yep. I and mean, if you don't, if, you, if you're if you going to cry so much that you think that, oh, you're making it look like this, fine. Don't do it, but then don't cry when you don't have the audience that Popular Front has. You know, we have so many young people contact me as well and say like, I'm trying to get involved in conflict journalism and they have like edgy personalities or they're a bit abrasive and they're not, they're not like, they wouldn't fit in in a newsroom. And it's good for them to feel empowered because Mm -hmm. they will create good work, maybe save people's lives you don't even know, maybe change people's lives in the future. And if you want to cry about the way Popular Front framed a certain thing, well, that's up to you. But, like, I don't care if that's your problem.
0: Well, well, look, going back to Vice, most of what I understand about what's happened in North Korea, what is happening in North Korea, is from the work they did. Mm. But they made reporting on North Korea fun.
1: Right, and but there's also like people that are doing a lot better work on North Korea than Vice could dream of doing yeah. that you haven't seen because yeah, they seen haven't that. made it good enough to be accessible. Like it's not their fault, but I'm just saying there are certain people that if you really want to, if you want to make journalism for everyone rather than a circle jerk of other journalists, you have to look outside the box. You know, mm. right? it's very cliche, but you do you have to do things a little bit differently. So, All right, man, I, I don't really feel that bothered when people kick off for me. I'm like, oh, whatever, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, a couple of things I want to finish on. Sure. Firstly you know what, you know I respect you, love your work, oh, thanks, uh, man. you like know this is newer to me. What advice would you give me going into this?
1: I would say if you're going to get like an abrasive person like Cernovich, who I think is an, is frankly an absolute dickhead, <laughs> like get someone else, maybe even do it, maybe make podcasts long and be like, here's Cernovich, here's someone who thinks he's wrong. Like I just think as long as you get the other angle or at least you challenge, you're good at challenging people, yeah, yeah. right? You do your research, just challenge people and be like, well, what about this? But also don't let it become occupied in your mind that like, oh, I better do this because everyone else will hate this. It's like, actually, like you said, he's an asshole, but his work on Epstein, which I would argue a lot of it he stole from other journalists, but like his work on Epstein is worth looking at. You know? Yeah. And it, the Epstein situation is mind boggling. Dude, it blows mate, my mind. so many mind. liberals like, huh, conspiracy theorists think he'd die. Like, mate, well done. You've just basically... Blanketed so many people that are interested in a paedophile, elitist sex ring. Like, that's one of the worst things that you could ever even imagine. It's almost not real. It's so disgusting. They got away with it as well. And they got away with it. And you want to laugh it off because this bloke talked about it.
0: Well, this is why I wanted to talk to to Cernovich. I wanted to talk to him about a couple of things. Like, I wanted to talk to him a bit about fake news because that fake news is a problem. It Mm. is a genuine problem. I, I wanted to understand a bit more about, like, conservative reporting because... You know, I feel like there's this... We've, we're in this situation where um, you're shamed for being conservative. You should be liberal because if you're liberal, you care about people. But I don't think it's I don't think it's that cut and dry. I think there's right. a lot of nuances to it. But most of all, I, I mean, I wasn't aware up until now to this point where you've talked about him perhaps stealing some of his... I wouldn't people. look. It basically, there's, there's, there's other people there's who did get the credit. A lot more than him, yeah. but, but at the same time, you know, when the, the interview came up and the opportunity, I was like, well, I do... I do admire some of the work in Epstein I was aware of it because of him I was aware of his reporting I was aware of him going for the unsealing of the files I thought this was important work I want to talk to him and I was like I was in this dilemma I'm like but I'm going to get a lot of people go oh well he's the Pizzagate guy and you know he's a mm. fucking alt-right and blah blah why are you giving him back to why are you giving him a platform and You know what? He actually gave me a bit of advice. He said, don't care what people think, which is hard, right?
1: Yeah. Also, I think you do have to care what some people think. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, I don't know who would I, I don't like my grandma. Like I care about every single thing she thinks about about me. No, he was more like, trust her. Like, but you know what I mean? Like there should be some people that you really care about. But don't care about people that are going to have a go at you all the time. On the internet. On the fucking internet. You know, like everyone's got Tom on the internet all the time. But again, like you said earlier, sometimes you do have to step back and go, like, okay, you know, I've, I've definitely made mistakes with Popular Front. And I've thought, yeah, there's a few mistakes there. Like, that's, that's fair. You know, and I'll, I'll engage them and go, like, maybe. And then other people will be like, you shouldn't do this. And I was like, fuck off. Like, them people would ignore that. You know, there's, I call it, like, not allowed culture. You're not allowed to do that. It says fucking who. Yeah. You know, it says who. Well, well, I do what yeah. I want, man.
0: Back to censoring.
1: Yeah, censoring, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So there, there's some sort, like, I'm at very anti-censorship, but then, like, at the same time, I don't want, like, for example, my child shouldn't be able to turn on the TV at 6 o'clock and see a Nazi shouting some racist stuff. Obviously, you don't want that. Yeah. But then, like, an example of this, I've done a lot of work researching and trying to crack down on neo-Nazis in America and when all the liberals came out and when I say liberals I'm not a conservative either I hate them equally <laughs> like there's a big mistake Americans call liberals leftists leftists hate liberals do you know what I mean like real leftists hate liberals yeah. but anyway so, so a lot of the American liberal media were like get them banned get them banned do you know what it did it made it very fucking hard for me and a lot of other reports to track what they were doing because now they're on gab where it's a lot harder to follow what they're doing it's a lot harder to find out where they are They've gone on to different apps. I was like, thanks for that. Because of your liberal outrage, you've actually made what was very good work harder.
0: Yeah, well, like I stand by this, like, let information be free. Yeah, yeah, let yeah. Expose yeah, yeah. people yeah. to it, you know, the sunlight disinfectant thing. Well, you're you right, know.
1: yeah. Maybe you maybe should be exposed to this shit.
0: Uh, do you know what? I've, I was reading a story the other day about this blues musician and he goes and works with KKK people. He takes them to, like, the African museums and, and he's... Turned a bunch of people back. He was actually the guy who shot the gun at Charlottesville. I think it was Charlottesville who's gone to prison. He actually defended him in court. He took him on a tour. I, I, again, I'm, I haven't got the details, so I'll share it in the show notes. But he was something like the African Museum, and he was just explaining to him what was going on with African culture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and then ended up defending him in court. And I was thinking, well, this is the kind of stuff we do want. We want information out there. Let get, but Definitely. try and get people to work yeah. together, trying yeah. to find common ground. Like I almost imagine. You can get two people from two. I, re- I reckon you could get a fascist and someone from Antifa, and you could take them out the, for the day, and you can get, get them to be friends by the end of the day. Mm. You could get them to sit down and hang out if you've got the right mediation in there. But by making everything banned and divisive, it's just going to create more hate. Like if you're going to go out on Gab, they're just going to sit in their circle and just be
1: offensive it to would each become other. Become more extreme, and yeah. Radicalized, yeah. But
0: if it's on Twitter, it's, you can have people just blocking them, saying, "Look, why are you talking like that? I don't know. I don't know
1: the exact." You're answer. right. Like the discussion is important. And I would have agreed maybe five years ago, but now I feel like things have gone just, I think it's beyond that now, you know? And I have a very radical line personally of like, if you're a militant Nazi, I don't care if you get killed. I'm quite happy for you to be killed, like that's my opinion. But I will agree that you're, I would rather what you say happens first. Don't get me wrong, like that should be better. Like there's, that because like what I'm saying actually does create more divide. Like it'd be way better if you can de-radicalize people, Mm. that's amazing. And you're right, the only way to de-radicalize people is through like stuff like that, going like let's have a talk. And in fact, there's a, it's funny, I'm just contradicting myself, there's a lad that helped me with the, this big Atomwaffen investigation I did in America, exposed this whole neo-Nazi network. The lad that helped me was a Nazi when I got chatting to him and is now like an anarchist. Like, and I, I didn't even really try and, I just spoke to him he was like, oh, I'm surprised you're talking to me. I was like, look, I fucking hate, I hate you. I hate Nazis, but like, let's talk, whatever. You got this information. And over the years we've ended up talking and he's like a really nice guy. He turns out he was very young and like he didn't have a girlfriend. You know, I know it's very cliche, but he was in the bad period. And now he's out of it. It's like, well, great. He's a lovely guy and we talk and he really helped me expose these Nazis. Imagine if what I said happened and someone just shot him dead. Well, probably not because, you know, like he's basically probably stopped other people getting killed because of this one group. So... Yeah, I think you're right. I think discussion is the best way. Well,
0: and so you know, it's called the Defiance Podcast, but actually, you know, I, I want to talk to somebody from Antifa. I want to sit down and have a conversation. I I'll go to, and
1: chat my mates. I'm to give you a shout.
0: But I just want to find out what's going on. I want to find out. Like, I want to have the conversation with them. I don't want to. I don't want to go to Oregon and just watch two groups of people just fight. They're very, over nothing. I want yeah. to sit down and have the conversation and just yeah. say, is there another way?
1: Yeah, and but also like the Antifa name has been kind of ruined. Like, if you been look hijacked. at history, it started in like like germany Mm. literally killing nazis like actual nazis not neo-nazis actual members of the nazis but like if you've got a problem with like a resistance group killing nazis like maybe you are one (laughs) you know like so that was in my opinion an incredibly noble thing to do now it's like like coming out into oregon to fight the proud boys like the proud boys is so embarrassing like can you believe antifa is fighting Proud Boys? even in europe i know antifa in europe who are like oh god don't talk about the american ones Uh, do you know what i mean because it's like we would never do that. You know, like we would never do that. We would never fight them. We would ever so you know And also they're
0: just they're macing people for holding yeah, a conservative opinion. Right,
1: exactly. Like the idea that like you vote Trump, therefore you need to be maced. Like yeah. fuck out of here, man. Like you that's a distraction. Fighting Proud Boys is a distraction from actually doing real work on Nazis. Now there are actually some very good anti-far networks in America who do things like find out where they work, find out where, which some oh, well, they shouldn't be arrested or whatever. But it's like, if they want to kill, literally a saying, I want to kill someone because of their skin color. I don't think they're part of a good society. I don't think mm. they should be allowed to be in our society. But they do a lot of things in Europe. Like, I don't know like anti-fire kids, I'm not like pro-anti-fire or whatever. Like, I couldn't give a fuck like what people want to do. But it's like, the kids that do like outreach programs. You know, in Greece, they do like food programs for the elderly. Mm-hmm. Like the anarchists there, they grow eggs for elderly people that don't have money. You know, they they raise chickens and help them. They do the gardening. They do a thing called guerrilla gardening, where like they stop the government building car parks everywhere and make green stuff. You know, you never hear about that. You just hear about the Molotovs. And man, we should go to Exarchia in Greece. You'd love it. Yeah, (laughs) cool, man.
0: All right. Well, listen, look, just to finish up, tell us what's coming up. Tell people how to follow your work because it really is good work.
1: Thanks, man. Um, Yeah. So coming up, um, we've got the Hong Kong documentary is going to come out soon by the end of the month, hopefully. We just raised 10 grand on um, Indiegogo, so there's a lot more new stuff coming up. Again, I'm going to have to like start getting people to help me now. Like, I've got no excuse, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, if you want to follow us, go to popularfront.co, not.com.co. You'll see everything there. Mm-hmm. And the way we make money is basically selling bonus content subscriptions on Patreon. So okay. that's patreon.com slash popularfront. And I have been told we we put more content out on Patreon than like most people. We have so much stuff on there that you don't get anywhere else. So I think, you know, for, I always say this $5 a month, right? That's like one coffee. It's like, if you can afford one coffee a month to get all this data and you want to be knowing about stuff, then like go for it, support us, you know?
0: All right, man. Well, listen, love your work. It's good thanks, getting to man. know you, man. I wish you all the best.
1: Yeah, mate. Thanks very much, man. <laughs> Let's air shake hands. <laughs> Let's air shake it.
0: All right, man. Thank you for listening to Defiance. I also want to say a massive thanks to Jake for coming on the show and supporting what I do. I've got to know Jake quite well over the last year and he's also been a supporter of my other show, What Bitcoin Did. I'm a massive fan of his work. I highly recommend you check out Popular Front. Also, before we close out, I do want to say a massive thanks to my sponsor, Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin, consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. Find out more at kraken.com, which is K-R-A-K-E-N.com.